Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dindi. I'm an 11-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals and is not intended for the use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests who speak in a podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conditions conclusions. Neither Talea Dendi, Navigating Cancer Together, On the Other Side, LLC, nor any of its affiliates endorses, supports, or opposes any treatment option or other matter discussed in a podcast. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy on a podcast should not be construed as an endorsement. Hello, everyone. This is Talea Dindi from OnTheOtherSide.life, and you're listening to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our very special guest is Tiffany Fiani. Tiffany was diagnosed with stage four non-small cell lung cancer that had spread to her brain at age 36. Prior to her diagnosis, Tiffany lived an active, healthy lifestyle and worked as a nurse. Never did she think that one day herself would become the patient that she had spent her career caring for. Throughout her diagnosis, Tiffany has learned to become her own best advocate and work with her healthcare team to find the best treatment for her specific type of lung cancer. In July of 2020, Tiffany's doctors declared her NED, no evidence of disease. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to do this and spread some awareness and anybody with lungs can get lung cancer and it doesn't matter your age. Thank you, Tiffany. I am so happy to be talking with you. Like you said, share more awareness because it's very important. And we're going to get to that in a second. Tiffany, to start out, can you please share with us a bit about your cancer journey and how you learned that you had lung cancer? Absolutely. In 2016, my brother, who has cerebral palsy and an intellectual disability, had gone into respiratory failure My family's about two hours north of where I live, and he had stayed down with me. He had ended up with a tracheostomy, which is a tube that is in his throat to help him breathe. And my mother had also stayed, and my father traveled back and forth to work. I was his primary caregiver, being a nurse, 
I made all his decisions. I had noticed I had started to lose some weight. I was getting really tired. As time went on, I could even notice some differences in my vision. But I just really blamed it to that busy lifestyle that I was living, working full time, caring for him. He was pretty ill and in and out of the hospital quite frequently. And then the week before, actually, I was diagnosed. I knew I had some sort of cancer. There's no way I could be feeling like this. I couldn't even take a nap and to say, now I feel refreshed. Lung cancer was definitely not on my radar. I felt maybe more lymphoma. It was my, just the constant going. My, I know my immune system was not functioning the way that it probably should be. Lack of sleep, wasn't eating right. July 27th of 2017, I was getting ready for work. I noticed a twitch in my eye, a twitch in my arm. Being a nurse, I knew that I was going to lose consciousness. The only other medical condition that I have is I suffer from migraines. So I grabbed my phone, called 911, threw my medications in my purse because I knew the paramedics would search when they came. And I was unresponsive within 10 minutes that they came to find me. I would be taken to a nearby hospital and they actually thought I had a stroke, but they would discover when they scanned my head, there was a mass in my brain. They further went on to scan and found the mass in my lung. So I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer that had spread to my brain. I would be pretty unaware of what had happened in the first following days, but as time passed on, They had told me that I had six months to a year and a half at best, even with treatment. Needless to say, I very much advocated for myself. I was 36 years old at the time. Currently, I am 41 over July 27th of 2020, five-year cancerversary, which was not something I ever thought I would see. And I had gotten a referral to an NCI-designated center, which is a comprehensive cancer center. They specialize in certain types of cancer treatment. And I was met with a very large treatment team and really wanted to be as aggressive as I can. I was healthy. I just had stage four lung cancer. Within two weeks, I had a craniotomy, which is brain surgery to remove the tumor. I also had followed up within a month of, it's called cyber knife radiate. It's a treatment type to the tumor that actually radiates the tumor itself to not destroy the healthy tissue. And I was also started on my first targeted therapy. A little bit more about targeted therapy. It's called genetic testing or biomarker testing. This was all done when I had my original bronchoscopy when they tested my tumor. So this is how they determine what type of lung cancer you have. If you have genetic biomarkers, that there's a pill that you can take and what one you can take. If you need to start out with chemotherapy, immunotherapy, all these different treatment types. So it's definitely something that you'd want to be talking to your doctor about, making sure that it was done and finding out if you have these specific biomarkers. I started my first targeted treatment in September of 2017. I had stability for 14 months before my cancer had come back. 
I had another biopsy and had developed the resistance mechanism to my type of treatment, which is not abnormal. And then I was started on my second line treatment. I was doing good for quite some time. And in July of 2020, in the midst of round one of the pandemic, I was able to have what they call consolidative therapy. And it's in the form of either surgery or radiation. My doctor brought my case to tumor board. And in my situation, radiation was my best choice. So I went ahead and did that. If you don't know what tumor board is, I call it a meeting of the minds. There's doctors from every single discipline and they all come together. They look at your case. They talk about you and they come up with the best treatment choice and then come back with your doctor and you guys discuss everything together. I'm very fortunate. My team does not make decisions without my input, which is also something I very much treasure about my team. So in July, 2020, I had five rounds of stereotactic radiation to my right upper lobe, which is where my tumor is. And again, this targets the specific area without destroying the healthy tissue. Just like every single treatment, every treatment comes with side effects. It's just sometimes we all respond differently. In July of 2021, they declared me no evidence of disease which I had also celebrated my year, no evidence of disease the week before my five-year anniversary. So very much talk about a whirlwind of emotion. Currently, I am doing my scans every four months, keep up with the latest research. I'm a patient advocate and just try to stay current with anything. Thank you, Tiffany, for sharing that. And congratulations on five years. I know how important that is. That is a huge milestone. Later in our conversation, I do want to go back and talk a little bit more about biomarkers and how you learned about that. But we'll get into that in more detail a bit later. One thing I want to ask you first mentioned that according to studies conducted by the American Society of Clinical Oncology, ASCO, about 15% of people with lung cancer have inherited genetic mutations known to increase cancer risk. Is there a history of lung cancer or other cancers in your family? Yes, there is. I did have a cousin who has unfortunately run out of time who was diagnosed with lung cancer. And I have had other family members, breast, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that have also had been diagnosed with cancer as well. Thank you for sharing that. Also, there is a stigma around lung cancer. Research has shown that many people think lung cancer is due to the fact of people smoking and that people with lung cancer should have known better than to smoke. Of course, lung cancer has many causes. How did you deal with that stigma if you experienced that at all? And what advice do you have for people that have had to face that stigma or assumption that they have lung cancer because they smoke? So yes, I think it's something that we all have seen in time. One of the things that I do now is I educate people. I give them, anybody with lungs can get lung cancer. I felt like I went back to nursing school because every single thing that I learned in my oncology rotation is now completely different. That's old, as I like to call, that's very old school. I lived in a coal mining region. There's studies going on about estrogen in women can be what you do in your job. If you're exposed to chemicals, 
you don't know how those chemicals are reacting. So radon is one of the biggest, and there are areas where radon is very high. It's a grassroots project, and I'm not sure if anyone has ever heard of the White Ribbon Project. It was founded by, her name is Heidi, and her husband's name is Pierre. Heidi has a degree in exercise And her husband, Pierre, is a retired family doctor. She had gone to her cancer centers in Colorado and had asked, what are you going to do for lung cancer awareness month, which is in November? The color for lung cancer is white. And they said, we we honor lung cancer all year round. We wear white lab coats. We have white lights. Frustrated. Heidi had told her husband, who had taken up woodworking at the time, to just make her a white ribbon. We can hang it on our door. We don't have to ask anybody for permission. We had been on a Zoom, a bunch of us, one night, and we saw this white ribbon. Now we all want one. And it's just, it's grown. It's international at this point. It's in all 50 states, Canada. And it's just, it's really brought awareness And no one is left out. It really is all encompassing. The ribbon itself is given with love, received with love. The website is the White Ribbon Project. You can find it on Facebook, Instagram, the internet, and you can read a little bit more about these ribbons. But we place them outside our houses. We take them with us. I know when I travel, mine comes with me. (laughs) (laughs) I love the beach and that's, where I celebrated my five-year cancerversary and right next to me in the sand, right next to my chair was my white ribbon for the entire week. When I go to walks, I take it with me. It's just a great conversation starter. Thank you for sharing that, Tiffany. One thing I want to ask you is what piece of advice, now this is coming from two different perspectives, from a nurse perspective And then from a cancer patient slash survivor perspective, what advice do you have for people diagnosed with cancer and specifically lung cancer? Learn as much as you possibly can. And I know not everybody, that's not necessarily their forte and that's okay. But ask questions of your doctor. Make sure you are involved in your treatment plan. That's very important. If you are someone that really wants to get involved, there are many patient advocacy organizations and different areas where you can learn more about the research. That's something for me when people say what's in your toolbox and what helps you cope. That's one of the things, learning about what's going on in the present of lung cancer research, knowing that there is more treatments out really helps to give me hope. And just seeing in this little bit over five years, what has changed and medicines and clinical trials that have come out, just seeing that survival rate for stage four out of five year, it's not where any of us would like it to be, but at least just to see that increase of it as well gives a lot of hope. Thank you, Tiffany. Medicine clinical trials, cancer data in general is constantly changing. And when people, especially people who are not really versed in doing research, looking up information, do you have any specific resources where people can find the most up-to-date information about lung cancer? There's multiple organizations out there. Longevity, go to Lung Cancer Research Foundation, the International Association, IASCL, 
There are so many resources also at your cancer center. You can always ask as well. I'm very fortunate at my cancer center. I got to meet one of our researchers and have been able to tour the lab. Again, I know that may not be available for everybody, but a lot of researchers, while they're in the back, really do want to share what they do. So I've been very fortunate in that area. Now I want to talk more about how biomarker testing played a role in your treatment. Also, Tiffany, tell us more about complete your diagnosis. Tell us more about that also. So biomarker testing, I didn't even know it existed. I like to call it the alphabet soup. I have what they call EGFR positive mutation. And when they came to me and told me that, because again, going back to my nursing training, you know, it was chemotherapy. Everybody got chemotherapy. I had already had myself prepared that I was going to get a port. And when they came back and explained to me, and I was like, I have what? And doctor went into more detail about there's nine or 10 different biomarkers that they test for, plus a protein. It just really helps to determine what your treatment course is going to be. And it's so very important to have that information prior to starting treatment, because it really does give you the best treatment options called precision medicine, which really is your cancer type. Tiffany, please explain to the audience what EGFR plus is, what that stands for, if you happen to know or remember. Yes. So it stands for epidermal growth factor precept and the type of lung cancer that I have. And again, that gave my doctors what treatment choices that I was eligible for that would best treat my certain cancer. This is something that, again, you'd want to talk to your doctor more to get more information. Okay. Thank you, Tiffany. Do you want to say anything about complete your diagnosis? So this is another website you can go to that has more information also about biomarker testing. If you'd like to learn some more. Thank you, Tiffany. What helped you stay motivated throughout your cancer treatment? I know it can be tough at times. It is. And there are days I don't want to fool anybody. Yes, there are days where it's pulled the blanket over my head. I can't do this. But for the most part, I try to stay very positive. I'm very involved in advocacy work with different advocacy organizations, learning the latest and greatest. I've always been involved. I've always loved science and how things work, how things function and the why behind it all. So that's definitely for me, getting involved and being a patient research advocate has definitely been something that helps me. I have made many lung cancer friends as well along the way through the different organizations. I also mentor newly diagnosed patients as well. I share my story, my lung cancer friends. We have gotten to be such great friends. We even travel together. (laughs) So they understand. And sometimes it is, it is hard to talk to family and friends who aren't walking your path because they really don't understand. And I don't feel like they're trying to be rude. Some people just don't know what to say and they become very quiet and they just go into their own shell. And sometimes there's the opposite that you really have those friends that are right there with you. And no matter what 
trial you're going through, they're right there cheering you on. Again, it's a personal preference. I think with any type of cancer, it was always so much a death sentence, and especially with lung that was just trying to change that perception. I am the face of stage four lung cancer. This is what somebody with stage four lung cancer looks like when you see my photos. Thank you, Tiffany. I love that. And this is audio only, but I want to point out that Tiffany looks healthy. She has a head full of hair. She doesn't look sick. You're addressing that stigma also that people with cancer, they all look sick. They all don't have hair and they look frail and things like that. I know that you're NED now, but every cancer patient looks different. Every person going through treatment looks different. And it doesn't always mean that a person going through cancer treatment looks sickly. I did for a period of time, I did lose my hair on my first treatment, but there are a lot of places you want, you can get wigs, you can get hair coverings and they're not just plain. You can really get creative with some (laughs) of the hair coverings, some of the wigs. I could still remember one of the nurses saying to me because I was not the person that was walking around with my bald head. Things I've learned from lung cancer is I'm extremely vain and I I didn't like looking (laughs) Yeah. Say to me, just put a pair of big hoops in your ears. You look beautiful and just walk around like that. I'm like, I'm not ready for that. Still remember an actress that had breast cancer as I was losing my hair and shaved her head and it was on Facebook. It was viral. And I wasn't at that place. It took me a while to accept it. But then I did. I had fun with it. I had my fallen winter wig. And then I had my fun summer wig that had highlights in it. After a little bit of time, I just try to embrace it the best that I can. I had gotten some fun hair coverings, but especially in the summertime, I didn't when I was at the pool at the beach. I didn't want to wear my wig. Nice. Thank you for sharing that, Tiffany. You're right. It's different for everyone. And that's okay. Whatever you choose, that's okay. Another thing I want to ask you, Tiffany, is after your treatment and you went back to work, How did your relationship with your patients change? Did you notice some type of change? Were you able to get closer to them? Please share it with us about that. I actually switched jobs from the job I had when I was diagnosed to the job I have now. The job that I have really allows me to share my story with my patients, and it has helped them with their diagnosis and they know, and they will call me when it's time for scans. If something isn't going well to talk it out, which for me is just wonderful because I had such help from other lung cancer patients from my mentor. And I just really like doing that for others. This really has become my passion. Tiffany, you mentioned a little bit earlier how important it is for patients to become active in their treatment journeys and their cancer journey. How can patients do that? What are some things that they can do to be active participants in their care? So some of the things and some of the agencies out there have questions that you can take with you to your doctor's appointments. And don't be afraid to have a list of questions written down for your doctor. In the beginning, I had somebody with me for my appointments being my note taker, because it is, it's a lot of information in the beginning. And I know COVID has put a little bit of a damper on before you can have an entourage of people with you. And that's not necessarily the case now. But even if you can't have someone physically with you, 
ask your doctor if you can get somebody on the phone that can help listen just to be there with you because you will miss things, especially in the beginning or if you have recurrence. You're in the throes of it all and you're trying to digest all these treatments, ask your doctor questions. It is, it's overwhelming at times. So they're just some of the things that I found for myself very helpful. Tiffany, were you given a survivorship care plan towards the end of your treatment? I am actually still, even though I'm no evidence of disease, I am still currently on active treatment. And at this point, I will remain on active treatment for the rest of my life. Again, I just stay very involved with different lung cancer organizations, especially with my cancer center. I'm very much a presence there. I've done different articles for them. I do some fundraising for one of our research labs. Tiffany, is there anything else that you would like to share about biomarker testing or your cancer journey or any other advice that you would like to share? I want to just emphasize the biomarker testing and the importance of it. There's multiple agencies where they can send this to, but it is just so important to have it. And then I guess just to close, always have hope. You're going to have bad days. Yes, this is an emotional journey. Like I said, there's days that, yes, it's just you feel doom and gloom. I pick myself up, brush myself off and continue and carry on. There's so much hope right now compared to where we are just in the little bit over five years since I have been diagnosed. Tiffany, I appreciate all the wonderful advice and inspiration and encouragement that you have shared with the audience. Before we end, I'd like to ask my guests two questions. The first one is, what is something that people often misunderstand about you? I'm all of four foot 10. People think at first that I'm really quiet, but in fact, I'm very outgoing. I'm always there first in line. If somebody needs a helping hand, no matter what the situation is, whether it's a newly diagnosed cancer they're having difficulties with their treatment. With my long-term friends, if they need something, I'm just always there. I find that very important to help others and give back. That's so important. Thank you, Tiffany, for all that you do to help other people. It makes a huge difference, whether we know it or not, but it does to the people that we help. So thank you for that. Finally, Tiffany, what is next for you? You are NED. You're moving along in your treatment. You're doing really well. What's next for you? Just continuing to stay active with all of the projects that I like to do, all of the advocacy work. It really, truly is my passion. To me, there's just no better feeling in the world when you've helped someone that's struggling so much with their cancer diagnosis. Especially when you've been through it yourself. It helps one to feel like what they went through wasn't in vain. There was a huge purpose behind it. Yes, absolutely. It's hard to walk in somebody else's shoes when you haven't walked in those shoes before. So I think it's very important. Tiffany, I have so much enjoyed talking with you. Again, I want to thank you so much for all the work that you do to help other people, even though you've had to go through a tough cancer journey. I also want to thank you for the advocacy work that you're doing, the information that you're sharing. I wish you the best and thanks for being on my podcast.
Thank you so much for having me. I very much enjoyed this. Before we end today, I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have enjoyed this episode and you found it helpful, please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find my podcast and listen again. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the show, please share or tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.